0: Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Coot Blackson, welcome to the Power Hour podcast. How are you?
1: Great, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: I am really looking forward to this conversation. I've got so many big topics actually that I want to talk to you about. Uh, I know it's been a few months actually in the making this interview. So I guess there's so much going on in the world right now and both you and I uh, have a passion for people, for encouraging, for motivating and for helping people to really get the most out of life. So today I'd love to talk to you about life's challenges and how we can better Mm. cope and, and how we can better face challenges and adversity. I wanna talk about being present and actually what that really means, like what that means to try to experience things fully every day. I wanna talk about happiness, love, really big topics today. So are you ready to dive in?
1: Yeah, let's take it wherever uh, we flow.
0: Okay. so as I said, life's challenges. This is something that in the world right now, of course, there are lots of external challenges. So for some people, that might be economic challenges with the cost of living increasing, well-being challenges, people that are stressed, burnt out, anxious, lonely, political divide, racism, climate crisis. It's almost like we could list the things that are impacting and 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 making us as a global, you know, collectively experience this external stress and pressure. Now, something that I read online that you said is, stop hoping for challenges to end. Instead, develop the capacity to face those challenges and to expand your strength to deal with what may come. So that's where I'd love to start really. What does that mean and how can we start to face life's challenges and be better prepared?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a big, it's a big topic. It's a big question. Life isn't easy. Uh, life isn't always simple. Life is often quite challenging. For me, and I can only speak from also just my experience and what I've been through and share that with people the best I can, I think when you understand the nature of something and truly embrace and understand the nature of something, it transforms your relationship with something. It transforms your relationship with life. And in so many ways, there's this uh, maybe misconception or illusion that you know, if I, I can just do this or master that or better this or or, or get th- then like the challenges of life will get easier and they'll suddenly stop. But if you look at every any human being, especially those that did or accomplished greatness in a lifetime or had an impact on humanity and society, whether it's Mandela, whether it's Gandhi, whether it's Jesus, whether it's Buddha, whether it's you know Martin Luther King, whether it's Mother Teresa, they all face challenges. And just because they were who they were, it's not like life just rolled out the red carpet and everything disappeared and, and there were no more challenges. In fact, part of what made them who they were, part of what made them great, part of what made them powerful was they faced the challenges that life presented them. And those challenges were invitations, those challenges were opportunities, those challenges were like the gymnasium for their souls, for their personalities to develop the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the psychological uh, muscle and soul force to be able to um, be more prepared to live their purpose. So if you look at someone like Mandela, you know, here he is trying to help his people help South Africa, you know, end apartheid, and he gets thrown into prison 27 years, that's called a major challenge. And mm-hmm. yet, perhaps, like, what if he didn't go to prison for 27 years? Now, I don't wish that on him. That's a huge challenge. That's a massive challenge. That's a, like, for me, that's an unimaginable challenge. Mm-hmm. But perhaps it was that challenge. That was so intense and so heavy that sculpted his being sculpted his mind that forced him to tap into and access parts of himself that he was not in touch with right in that particular moment challenges force us to tap into dimensions of ourselves that we're currently not in touch with so that we can access those parts and reveal those parts and activate those parts of someone like Mandela, I just imagine the level that he had to go to, to access forgiveness and courage and patience and perseverance and empathy so that he could come out and speak from the depth of, uh, of beingness that could unite people to get, look, when you understand the nature of life, Hmm. your relationship with life shifts. And, you know, just to take it, I always kind of come from a spiritual level. So just to take it to a spiritual level first and bring it back down to the human level, I first and foremost believe that we are souls, we're souls that incarnate into the human experience. We incarnate into this human experience because there are certain lessons that we are here to learn. There are certain lessons that our soul is seeking to learn. And to me, life is the uh, university, the gymnasium, the university for our soul's evolution. So life is always going to be up, down, good, bad, positive, negative. So I tell people, don't look for infinite bliss and don't look for infinite peace in the world. Don't look for perfection in the world. Like if I can just learn these seven techniques, if I can just you know become enlightened, if I can just, then all the challenges will go away. That's not the nature of life and it's not the nature of the ocean because we live in a realm of duality. But then we wow. understand that there is a place of true peace, of true freedom inside of ourselves at the depth of our being. The freedom is inside and I think part of the the should we say the game of life to me life is a game life is a play life is a simulation life is a, a an evolutionary opportunity part of the the purpose and the game of life is to be able to find the freedom. Inside of the limitation to find the freedom inside of this duality inside of life and so challenges are part of the, the play and the opportunity, and when you understand that. It frees you up to to embrace it and look for the gift. And like when the waves come, rather than being like, like imagine you go surfing. Right. And you're like you're on the surfboard and the waves come. and You're like, ah, oh, damn, another wave. I just surfed the wave two minutes ago. Another one. No, you, you look at the big wave surfers. Right. Led Hamilton, Kelly Slater. They they look for the big waves. Right. They yeah. relish in the big waves. They're like big wave. Bring it on. And
0: so this is life, this is life. And so- Wow, so much in there, so much in there. I think the word that you maybe repeated about understand, when you understand, when you understand these things, we're better able to, uh, like you said, not resist and to expect it and to go with it. I I think what I'd like to, touch on though is i'm someone who have i've, I've faced struggle and, and challenges in my life just like everybody else nobody is exempt from challenges and adversity nobody. whether nobody whether it's loss nobody. whether it's grief whether it's uh, failure rejection these are parts of you know, life however i think that after something you know someone's experienced something really difficult and challenging they can reflect and myself included and think oh yeah years ago that was really difficult and it made me maybe i learned something about myself or maybe i adapted to become more resilient resourceful whatever it is however when you're in the challenge you know when you're facing it when you're actually in the difficult you know we talk people talk about life's ups and downs when you're in the down that's when i think it's you know people don't want to think then oh this is going to be a great lesson actually when you're in it you're thinking I just want this to end. I want this to be easier. I can't face this challenge, you know, especially things like difficult. grief. Yeah. It's, I think that's when it's hard.
1: That makes that, that is the resistance. Well, first you've got to understand the nature of it. Cause if you understand, like, like I worked out with my trainer the other day and he kicked my ass and it was painful and it was hurting and I was crying, you know, I was like, <laughs> why am I, but, but I understood that I was deve- like, I understood that I was developing a deeper level of strength. A deeper level of stamina so when you're going through something rather than saying why is why is this happening to me i'm resisting it because what we resist we kind of we tend to persist and all lessons are repeated until learned and so i think when we shift our relationship to something and we we embrace it and we accept it then we start looking for the growth opportunity we ask ourselves okay even though this is difficult fair enough what is the opportunity what is my soul seeking to learn what is the lesson how, what am I seeking to evolve through? What is this situation showing me about myself? What are the people showing me about myself? And I think when we focus on that level of th- that level of, uh, of the experience, then we learn the lesson. And I think when we learn the le- it's when we learn the lesson where we are with who we're with in a given situation, knowing that the situation is trying to teach us something and we're seeking to learn something. When we learn the lesson, that's often when we, that's the key to to unlock the door to the next level of experience and that's when we tend to graduate that particular experience and that particular challenge and when we learn that lesson and move through that challenge we expand we -hmm. expand and so our capacity grows our capacity to to handle more that level of challenge grows but then you know we graduate to the bigger challenge right and we graduate Mm -hmm. to the bigger wave like the big wave surfers Led Hammond, he's not surfing a two-foot wave anymore. He he's mastered the two-foot wave. Now he's looking for the hundred-foot wave. With each challenge, your capacity grows. With each mm-hmm. difficulty, your capacity grows. And then you expand. And to me, that's that's what really where our focus should be. How do we expand our capacity, our bandwidth, mm-hmm. our presence to be able to ride bigger and bigger waves? You know, every time we do that. Every time we transcend our reactivity, every time we, we learn the lesson in a given situation, every time we, we un, 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 sort of unhinge ourselves from victimhood, we expand ourselves. We step wow. into another dimension of our greatness. And to me, the challenge is a gift so we have to start focusing on okay, what's the gift in this experience because usually it's after the experience years later that we look back and go wow that was a blessing so i think let's let to me part of the freedom is is, is actively practicing to look for the blessing in the situation and when we start looking for the blessing in the challenge mm. that's when we also start to activate and tap into the resources inside of us to handle that
0: situation powerful stuff powerful stuff and you know i agree that you there is a lesson there is a lesson there is mm. the bigger the struggle the bigger the strength and i think when you're in it as i mentioned before this has been my mm. experience anyway that was when you know you don't really want to hear the that's yes. when you're not opening up your mind <laughs> to the different possibilities that's when you're not you know listening to uh, the motivation or reading the books or that's when you're like you know what i can't hear it mm-hmm. but then later on yeah later on i think yeah. that actually even if even if when something's difficult, you don't have to necessarily be grateful for it and think, oh, this is gonna be such an amazing lesson. But I do think sometimes just acknowledging, I never, for me anyway, I remember thinking once, I never want to feel this feeling again, or I never Mm. want to experience this again. And just having that, just that fuel, that little fire in your belly that goes, it, it lights something up that made, whether it's to work harder, whether it's to, Whatever it is the change that needs to come for me, having that feeling when something's difficult of thinking, I never wanna feel this feeling again, mm-hmm. that is a powerful enough feeling. It, you don't have to, like I said, when you're facing something really challenging like a loss or a grief, think, oh, well, this this is gonna be great in a few years time. Mm-hmm. I think at the time, just kind of, you know, I mentioned at the start, I wanted to talk to you about being present. Again, I know this is something that you've written about, but for me, being present is something I struggle with. I'll be honest. I'm a future thinker. I love innovation. I think about next month's goals, next year's goals. I encourage other people to plan and to, I often say to people, actively participate in your life. So plan what you want to do and then go and make it happen. But I think a a trade-off, I suppose, to that is it is very difficult for someone like me to be present and to just go, okay this is where this is where we're at this is what we're doing without having that one eye on the future so q yeah. talk to me about what it really means to to be present when things are good when things are bad every time and how and maybe why actually we find that so difficult in the modern world
1: yeah look i think there's to be honest, you know there's nothing wrong with planning i think planning is beautiful you can plan plan all you want um that doesn't mean those plans will happen uh, Uh, I think, in fact, if we really look at our lives, many of the best things, at least I look at my life, and I've had an amazing life, Uh, I've created a lot, manifested a lot, um, uh, some amazing results, Uh, but many of the best things in my life, in many of our lives, have happened without our planning. You know, like, like when you met your soulmate, or you met that person, or that thing happened, many of them we didn't plan we were just in the process of living like very few of us we said okay i'm gonna go down to the coffee shop today at 6 p.m i'm going to meet the man or the woman of my dreams you know in the park at the coffee shop at 6 p.m it just Mm -hmm. kind of happened you know in the process of living and i think some of sometimes the danger can be that we're so focused on the goal we're so focused on where we're going we're so focused on what we achieve that we miss the moment we miss the journey we're not present and so even when we get to where we think we're going to go and that place that we think is going to bring us happiness it's never really fulfilling because even when we because because number one we've missed the entire process and the journey and even when we get there we're not really there we're never really there when we're there because we're then when we get to the mountaintop we're busy thinking of where we're going to go next so we're never really anywhere and then we die and then life is over it's like shit where did the last 10 years ago, and we missed the whole experience. And, then, and in that, we don't fully, shall we say, squeeze the joy and the fullness the totality out of the experience and out of the moment. And so I say, yes, plan. But the key is, don't get attached to those plans. Mm. Because many times when we plan and we set goals, great, go for it, know what you want, get what you want, go for it. But many times, you might get what you thought you wanted, only to realize that what you thought you wanted was not what you really wanted. It was just Mm -hmm. what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And many times our plans and our goals and our dreams, nothing wrong with them, can be Uh, limitations, or shall I say, projections of even unmet needs from my childhood, thinking if I can achieve that thing, then I'm going to be finally happy. And then when we get that, we realize we're not happy. So I say align with what is true in your soul, because your soul will never guide you wrong. Your soul has a deeper intelligence than the mind, which is constantly strategizing and planning. And so when you align with what's true, then, then you can go into planning. Then you move into strategy. Then you can align your ego, your mind, your thoughts, your thinking, your experience, your resources, your money, your strategizing, your planning in alignment with your deeper soul's intention. Then you're working in harmony with life rather than limiting life. And I think that's, that's kind of the right relationship. And so plan, yeah. but don't get attached. Don't yeah, I like.
0: I really like this. Don't get attached to the plan and also the outcome. But yeah. I think for me, as I said, you know, I <laughs> we all are who we are, aren't we? And sometimes we can do our best, of course, to unlearn things, to challenge ourselves, to change, to grow. I'm a big advocate of that, you know, growth mindset and just being open. And actually, yes. even even with the planner that that lives within me, the planner, I still know that I have. How do I? I I suppose my mindset is, and I'll be honest, you know, it's abundant actually. So when you're talking about, you know, not having limitations, that's something that I say to people. And I think that Mm. sometimes it could be too much people. They're like, what is she mad? Because I just genuinely, I'm like, (laughs) don't, you're not, I've said to somebody, well, quite a few people in my life. What if your biggest goal, what if the thing you're telling me that you want me to help you to plan or to achieve in the next 12 months, what if your biggest goal is 10 times too small? And sometimes people think like, oh, Adrienne, come on. And and they know me, but I'm like, no, I'm going to challenge you to think bigger. I'm going to challenge you to believe that you can achieve more than that. And it's not because, oh, bigger is better or more, more, more. It's not that attitude, but it's just an abundant attitude that, as you said, you know, your life can be, I think sometimes people don't really believe that, it's possible for them. Or they think that, you know, if you dream too big, you're gonna don't get your hopes up in case you don't make it. Or, you know, we wanna kind of preserve our ourselves. But I often say, well, you know what, get your hopes up. I get my hopes up all the time. And if it doesn't work out or if you don't get the job or you don't get the thing, you get over it. We're, we're adults, yeah. I'm a big girl, but I get my hopes up quickly. I'm like, get your yeah. hopes up, get excited about your yeah. life. Mm.
1: Absolutely. The other thing you you you'd mentioned, the thing of being present, right? And mm-hmm. and I think for me that is such an important thing. That the the danger in pursuing goals and chasing goals to get to a certain place is we miss the moment and we're not fully experiencing what's here now. And you know, I'll be honest. Um, for most of my life, I felt this drive to impact people and inspire people. And uh, for the last, I would say. Two decades, been very obsessed traveling the world with that intention, and and, and blessed that I've had a, an impact on people's lives around the world. And I really learned this lesson in in a, in, a, in, a, in a I was going to say interesting way, but in a in a very deep way when my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer, and I got a phone call, Adrian, in two thousand sixteen. I was on a high, traveling the world, on the road two hundred days a year, and. Uh, inspiring people and best-selling book and just was on Larry King. And, you know, life has a way of humbling you. And I get this mm-hmm. phone call and uh, I'm told my mother and my mother was everything to me. She raised me, you know, was my best friend going up. And so this was the closest person to me. And, you know, when you get that kind of phone call, it really hits you. And so I, I began flying back and forth from L.A. to London, where she lived. And uh, every month I would fly back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Now, bear in mind, I I never had time to spend with her and just hang out with her and just be with her because I was too busy impacting and inspiring people and trying to fulfill my destiny and my goals, right? And so all of a sudden, here I am every month flying to London from LA, staying for a week, taking care of her, sitting with her for eight to nine to 10 hours in chemo, holding her hand, taking her for walks, feeding the fish in the garden, sitting with her while she made the dishes. And I'm telling you it changed my life that year changed my life because, as I sat with her in chemo for eight hours and we talked about nothing and everything, I began to see that i I hadn't sat with my mother for this amount of time for a few hours since I was in my teens you know and 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 it really hit me like damn i I missed out on so many of these ordinary simple moments I saw that. As my mother was washing the dishes or she'd make a cup of tea and I sat with her without any agenda, just being with her, looking into her eyes and hearing her laughter like, wow, I have missed out on just these simple moments because I didn't have time. All the, you know, the holidays I missed out on, I didn't come back because I didn't have time and nothing wrong with pursuing a goal and being ambitious and all of that. Go for it. I'll tell everyone I did. I don't regret it. But in that moment, I'll be honest, when I really, when faced with the reality of death, when faced with the reality that my mother was going to die and I would never see her again, so many of the things I thought were important just kind of paled in comparison. The only regret, and, and I've 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 achieved a lot, I've made money, I've like, you know, manifested crazy stuff. The only regret that I had in my in my that i had in my life that i had in my heart in that moment the only regret wasn't like oh, why didn't i do this why didn't i bu-? was why didn't i spend more time with my mom mm-hmm. like why did i and, and why did i wait till she was dying and it was yeah. too late yeah. to spend more time with her and i felt so like humbled because you know i thought to be honest i thought i had time Like when I achieve that thing and when I make that thing and when I get that to that level that I think, you know, I I see myself getting to, then I'm going to take her on the vacations and do this and do that. And and in that moment, I realized so many plans I had would never happen because she wasn't going to be around. And that for me, you know, really hit me hard um, because I saw that I missed out on so many. I wasn't present to so many of the ordinary moments of life. And life is made up of the ordinary, you know? Life is made up of those moments of lying in bed. Life is made up of those moments of taking the walk. Life is made up of those moments of having a cup of tea and just looking in someone's eyes. And when we miss out on those moments, we miss out on life, and we miss out on the journey. And so I would just invite everyone in the pursuit of dreams, like savor the moment, enjoy the moment, grow in, because it's who we become in the moment. And how we love in the moment and what we'd learn in the moment that that's the process, whether you achieve the goal and the plan or not. The plan, the achievement of the plan is only like one percent. The other 99 percent are the moments, And so celebrate yeah. the moments. That, that's what I would say.
0: Wow, that's really, really beautiful. And thank you for sharing that with us. And especially what stood out to me was so as someone who talks a lot about time, you know, the power, our concept is really all about not about, again, squeezing in more, but actually just being intentional with the time that you have. And when you mentioned Mm. then you thought you had time, you know, we're all guilty, I'm sure, of doing that so often we think, you know, I'll have more time next week, or I'll have more time next month, or I'll have more time when I have made more money, or when my kids are older, or as you say, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And often it stays tomorrow until we realize that we have run out of time. And those things that we thought we were going to do, or the people we're going to visit, or even our children, you know, my son is growing up so quickly, it's his birthday in a few Mm. days. And I think Mm. that is something that I'm acutely aware of as a parent is that you think you have time to do things and then you have children and you realize, I'm like, wow, every, as you mentioned, the ordinary moments, the ordinary moments with my son, I savor those. And I think if I could do that, you know, in other areas of my life, in my work, in travel, but that is something that really slows down time, actually, for me, is doing things ordinary things that he yeah. enjoys. And often as well, I'll be honest with you. I'm sure lots of parents feel this. <laughs> I do things with my son that he enjoys that I don't enjoy at all. I can think of two Beautiful. examples. Yep. One is swimming. I I really don't enjoy swimming. I just I never have, but I will go swimming and I'll, I'll pretend that I enjoy it. I'll get in the water, I'll get my hair wet. I'll go underneath, I'll you know I go to the beach and I'm like, okay, cool, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And I do not <clears> like swimming. The second one is WWE wrestling. Now, <laughs> <laughs> my, my son loves to watch I do not. But what I've learned is if you always want your children to enjoy the things that you enjoy so that you can have fun together or so that you can, you know, then you're gonna limit what those things are. You know, if it was just the things that I like, but actually doing the things that they like, you bond with them on such another level and you get into their world and even if it even if you know like i said i don't care about wwe wrestling but just sitting on the couch with him and he's saying oh this is this person and look at this and this person and you just sit there go into their world and the time it could be 20 minutes it could be two hours it just passes so yeah i think i'm going to really remember that feeling and that exactly what you said i thought i had more time that is really really powerful
1: yeah and i think when people remember you know for me, this has really helped. Like, You are going to die. We are going to die. And to like, meditate on your death. I think many times as human beings, we, we live like we're going to live forever. And we do everything we can in the Western world to sanitize our lives to the point where we, where we try to pretend that we're not going to die and death is not around us. But if you, I think, if you can meditate on your death and feel your death, <clears throat> not as a morbid thing, like, you're going to die. Bruce Lee died, Muhammad Ali died, Jesus died, Buddha died, Mother Teresa died, Mandela died. You know, every great human being has died. This is the nature of life. It is coming. It, we, none of us know when that moment will, 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 will meet us. And I hope we all live a long life. But the people in shootings last month or 9-11 or natural disasters, they didn't know that they weren't going to come home that day and look their loved ones in the eyes and say hey I love you uh, you mean a lot to me you know uh, forgive me and so I would just invite everyone to really like hold death close not as a morbid thing but mm-hmm. just as a as, as a reality of life and, and if you really hold death close and feel that then it can sober you up so quickly because many of the things we waste time on and hold on to kind of fall into perspective when we think about death. And like, is this how I want to die? And so if death came today, would we be ready? And if not, like, why not? And what would you need to Let me ask it this way. What would you need to do? <clears throat> what would you need to say? What would you need to communicate? What would you need to express? What would you need? Who would you need to forgive? Who do you need to pick up the phone and, and, and call right now so that if death came, you could be complete? Because I think when we die and we meet our maker, whatever you might believe, You can't go to God and just say, "Hey, can I can I get a refund on those two years that I wasted in that job, or can I get a refund on those, you know, that year I wasted in that relationship?" Like, there's no refunds. Like, once it's gone, it's gone. And so, how would you need to live in such a way, the best you can? It's not going to be perfect, but to really feel like every second is freaking—it's—it's really precious. And I think the older I get, the older we get, we start realizing, hmm it's we don't have too many more of these left you know maybe we have less of these than we had before and so how would i need to live in such a way that if death came i'd have no regrets and so feel death close honor it and use use the reality and the nature of life to remind you of the preciousness of every moment and fully experience it because i think Mm -hmm. we have one we have one opportunity as at least as this version of us yeah
0: Well, that's kind of the perfect segue into my power hour concept. So the concept of the power hour is very simple. For me, it is the first hour of each day. I call it a power hour because I believe it's incredibly powerful. And if you use it and utilize it Make sure that you know you try and eliminate distractions, yeah. and you try and keep that time for yourself. Uh, for me, it's had a huge, huge impact on my life. And since writing the Power Hour book, I'm really, really happy to say that you know I hear from other people how they're embracing the concept as well. So it's the first hour. You wake up in the morning. We both, mm. you know, we all have a chance and a, and a choice. You know, every day it's like, okay, it's a new day. What chance do I have? What choice am I going to make? So I'd love to hear from you, Kut, about mm your morning, your first hour if you have a power hour I'm sure you have a morning routine. what does the first hour of your day include?
1: Yeah, it's really simple um, for me it's nothing like uh, crazy it, it, but it is very very consistent and non-negotiable um, regardless of the circumstance. basically every morning I wake up wherever I'm at and that first hour pretty much is I mean the first couple of minutes are just spent typically, five minutes lying in bed and just allowing my awareness to come into my body and feeling gratitude for my body and sending that gratitude energy into the rest of my day so that all of my day and actions are connected to a feeling of gratitude and inspiration. And then I'll just get up and I'll exercise. And for me, the first, literally the first hour I spent exercising, some form of physical exercise. This morning, I went for an hour run and uh, that wakes my body up, gets my body working, gets the energy, the chi flowing, gets my brain working. And so it's exercise. And for me, that just sets the foundation for my day. And then uh, sometimes I'll meditate in the morning. If I don't meditate in the morning, I'll meditate in the afternoon. But, but the first hour is, is just a simple, consistent form of exercise and you know, drinking my green, green powder and protein. And that starts my day. Very simple
0: yeah well so you said it's non-negotiable regardless non-negotiable of... i yeah, don't care
1: would... if i have to be at the airport at like 6 a.m which means which means i have to leave at like four thirty. that means i wake up at two thirty. right it, it, it might mean i'm I'm doing a 12 day event in a bali and sleeping three hours a night and so i'll wake up at you know 4 a.m and do my exercise it's, it's like it's non-negotiable no matter what the only time i can't do it is if I'm literally on the flight for, you know, 14 hours.
0: Yeah. Do you have any other things in your life that are non-negotiable in that sense that you're like, no matter what happens, I'm just going to make this happen.
1: Um, I think some of the other things is like, is I, these, I don't do daily. I just kind of do a few times a week as I feel, but mm-hmm. I used to do daily, but, but now it's more just a little more fluid. Uh, I journal, which is a, just the process of just spewing my thoughts out and, releasing my thoughts and processing feelings and thoughts and intuitions on the page uh typically every day i'll meditate at some point and uh what's non-negotiable is doing it what's negotiable is when and so it might be a bit in the afternoon might be in the evening um but it's just sitting quietly peacefully allowing my awareness to rest down and uh that's that's also something that is super important yeah
0: Yeah, I'm writing a lot at the moment. And of course, I know that you have a brand new book. So can you tell us all about the book? When is the book, is the book out already?
1: Yeah, the book is out, it's been out, but the paperback just came out uh, a few weeks ago. And the book right. is called The Magic of Surrender. This was not the book, talk about planning. This was not the book I thought <laughs> I was going to write. <laughs> this this was definitely not the book I wanted to write. Uh, this was not the book I planned to write, but uh, this was the book that, uh, was seeking to be written. And so I had to surrender to the book about surrender. And uh, I had other my, my other plans, I had my own agenda, but uh, none of those, and, and, and I wrote um, probably hundreds of different topics and titles on a, on a whiteboard. And none of those ideas really felt authentic. None of those ideas felt like in alignment with my soul. The only word that stood out on that whiteboard was surrender and uh that's what lit me up and that's what i had to surrender to so the book is called the magic of surrender
0: great well i'm going to add that to my reading list for this week because (laughs) i i actually thought that the book was coming out soon but that was my mistake so the book is out now and what has the response been been so far
1: it's been amazing honestly it's amazing i'm really excited about surrender because i believe that with what we're going through you, you know you mentioned challenges of the world i think with what we're going through on the planet especially the last couple of years i feel as though humanity has been thrown into a surrender seminar you know pandemics and you know uh, wars and you know issues politically and shootings and uncertainty and lockdowns. it's like we've been thrown into a a surrender seminar and i feel as though as a humanity consciousness wise we are being initiated into a whole new way of living shifting from the egoic ego-based model of the world to a more a, a, a way of living that is more in alignment with our souls more in harmony with life more in harmony with nature which is really about living surrender and allowing life this intelligence of life that has been around for billions of years to guide us and so I'm really excited and and passionate about the topic of surrender because I think in our culture today, there's there's this misconception that surrender is giving up. Surrender is waving the white flag, that to surrender was weak, that to surrender was passive, that if you surrender, you're going to be a doormat, you're going to get left behind, you're going to be a victim, you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires that you're going to, you'll get less in life if you surrender. And I'm actually saying, no, no, if you surrender, what if you got more, more than you could have even uh, intended or even imagined for yourself? What if you got beyond your wildest dreams? And so surrender is to take the limitations off of life. It's to let go of control or the illusion that we're in control. I think control is the master addiction. Surrender is to stop trying to force life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be. And it's to be open and available to the infinite possibilities to is to let go who we think we should be the life we think we should be living so that we can be available to the life that is truly seeking to happen truly Mm -hmm. seeking to express i look at someone like mandela that's not a life that you could have strategized that's his his is a life that i don't think you could have figured out but through surrender he i think all of the great ones like mandela Jesus, Buddha, you know, Mother Teresa, the folks I listed, all of the great ones, they surrendered themselves. At some point, they surrendered themselves to life, to their purpose, to the universe, to their soul's calling. And when they surrendered, they transcended their own selves. They went beyond their own personal power. They tapped into a dimension of their being that was infinite. And in in, in surrendering, life was able to use them and manifest through them in ways that I think they could not have even imagined for themselves. And so I think that surrender is the password to freedom surrender is the key to the next level surrender is the real secret to manifestation and that if you want more magic in your life then surrender is is that key and so for me that's the invitation through the book it's it's a road map giving mm-hmm. people the phases and the steps and and basically a roadmap in how do you surrender
0: wow So powerful. Honestly, I feel like this interview I have, I'm going to listen to it again. I'm going to listen Uh, to it again and and write notes. I've really enjoyed it. And the last thing that I took away from that message as well was that it's incredibly humbling actually when things are out of our control, like given, as you said, control is the thing that we feel like we want during the pandemic, perfect example of things that were out of our control and how it's so humbling when you think this is my life and my plans and I'm gonna go and do my business and do my things and actually how humbling (laughs) it was, you know, how humbling it was for so many people to say, actually, sometimes Mm -hmm. like it or not, sometimes the the control is taken away and we do have to kind of reassess and go, okay, here we go. You know, when actually I said to you earlier on that I'm very interested in future and innovation, I listen to a lot of futurists Mm -hmm. and and doctors that actually were talking about future pandemics. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not to say that in a decade or two, we might not face something far worse which you know let's hope mm. that we don't but there are only so many things that we as human beings we think that we run the show you know we run the planet yeah. we run it all but really uh yeah it's incredibly hum- humbling to consider surrender in that way so thank you yeah. so much for for sharing that and for being a guest and joining us today i've really really enjoyed this conversation
1: oh thanks so much i appreciate it
0: And thank you, everyone, as always, for tuning in. I'm sure that that conversation and cute has given you so much food for thought. And if you've enjoyed it, then please do let us know. And of course, share it with somebody else. Have an awesome week. Stay safe. And I'll be back next week with another episode.